You are listening to Sunday Drivers, a NASCAR series on the Variety Sports Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to Sunday Drivers, a NASCAR series on the Variety Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Brady. Today, I am joined by Linus. Good evening. And Dawson. Hey, how's it going? Okay, thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, We have a lot to talk about, Charlotte. Uh, I can't remember last time we've had three good races in the entire week, and the truck race was great. I thought the Xfinity, uh, kind of an old school race, but it was great. Uh, and then yesterday, 18 cautions, 408 laps, longest NASCAR race in history. Uh, I, Linus and I talked about this last week, and we kind of predicted it was going to be a little bit of a cluster. Yeah, it's uh, it turned out quite a bit worse than I expected, actually. Um, it being actually the longest NASCAR race ever recorded as well, as far as miles goes. And then was it 17 or 18 cautions? 18, um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit worse than I was expecting, but still, uh, they still showed up, gave us a pretty good race. So uh, I think everyone that bought tickets for any of the races this weekend will come out of there feeling pretty happy. Well, I mean, last year, 600 had four caution laps. You know, it's just, it's amazing the difference that this new gen car makes. Uh, I mean, how many cars did we see spin out and then go back up to the front by the end of the race? Oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Larson had, no, nobody would ever recover from Kyle Larson's race, but he did it. <laughs> and he spun out, what, once, and then he had a pit road penalty and two pit road penalties he was still yes yeah to say uh, towards the end as well that ty dillon in the 42 was pretty much the only car that hadn't had some sort of an issue or contact with anyone the entire night yeah that's right kind of sums it up that is so crazy to me and it's like it seemed like everybody had a shot at winning the race if you ran in the top 10 you know which is great to see because the longest race of the year usually produces like a strategy race or, you know, just pure dominance like Kyle Busch in 2018, X in 16. So it was great to actually see a good race, uh, even though I don't know about you, Linus, but the race guy here over here on the East Coast at 12.05, I couldn't imagine when it finished for you. Uh, well, I went to bed at a quarter past four, roughly, and that was when stage three finished because I fell asleep for the last 10 laps of that because obviously it was four in the morning. So <laughs> I had to watch the last uh, segment or the last stage uh, when I woke up before heading to work. Uh, but it was quite exciting. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. It so it was worth the wait. Oh, absolutely. Um, so before we get into the weekend's races, let's back it up. Uh, Trackhouse Racing announces that Kimmy the Iceman, I'm not going to even attempt that last name, uh, Kimmy the Iceman. Uh, it, okay. Something like that. Um, it's going to be racing out Watkins Glen this year. Yeah, that's um, should have been kind of expected since he's one of the few international guys that have actually been in NASCAR before. He's done a truck race and an Xfinity race, um, but it's going to be fun to see what what he uh, what he can do. Um, obviously, coming out of retirement for this, and uh, 
even changed his Instagram bio to from retired to racing again or whatever. So yeah, I think I think he's pretty excited as well. Going to be fun to see what he can do in a stock car on the road course, especially uh, seeing how competitive those track house cars are this season as well. I uh, I think a lot is riding on how good he runs. Uh, you know, because they're talking about they, you know, they're hoping for more offers from drivers in Europe next year. But I think if Kimmy goes out and says like, puts out a top fifteen, I think we're going to have bigger names wanting to come over next year. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's going to play a big part in it as well. Uh, like if he uh, if he runs twenty fifth, thirtieth. It's not going to be a big deal, but if Trackhouse can give him a car that's equally good to Chastain and Suarez, and he can pull out a top 10, top 15, then uh, that's definitely going to open up uh, the eyes of a lot of people. And I think this is going to bring in quite a few F1 fans and maybe other people as well to watch this race at Watkins Glen. And if they can put on a good show overall and not have any sort of uh, hiccups with inconsistencies with cautions or some other stuff at the end like we had last week, then yeah. I think yeah, this is a good opportunity as well for NASCAR to bring quite a bit of new fans. Yeah, and uh, also like the road course ringers, that's been gone for, I feel like, a long time. Like Boris said, okay, but I feel like that has not been like a thing in the last like 10 years. So that might bring that back too, where we have some road course ringers, especially with five road courses a year or six road courses a year, like, that might change all of that too, where we have um, international road course ringers that are actually able to, you know, be competitive. Right. And um, I mean, the only real road course ringer we've had over the past couple of years is AJ Allmendinger. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I mean, for it to be at Watkins Glen, I think that's one of the better road courses that NASCAR has to offer. So these new cars put on a show at Road America. I, I can't wait to see what happens in August. But yeah, I mean, maybe it'll even bring an influx of international fans to come and see it. Like uh, Marcus Ambrose used to bring in a lot of Australian people mm-hmm. to Watkins Glen or Sonoma. All right. Um, the truck race. Uh, so overall, good race. Uh but the talking point here is, you know, the final laps, Carson uh, Hovacar overdrives it, gets loose, gets into Ryan Priest, uh, you know, and for what seems like the fifth time this year, Carson just kind of loses, uh, loses the race in the last couple of laps. Yeah, it's, um, it seems to be a reoccurring theme for some people this season, uh, him being one of them, just pushing too hard. And this time I didn't really feel it was only on him because he pushes up a little bit, but Priest as well comes down. And then yeah. as soon as they make contact, obviously they both slide up to the wall and then into the next corner, he just loses it. I don't know if he cut on a tire or, or what, but obviously he, he desperately wants to win and just pushes too hard and ends up ends up in bad spots with these green white checkers over and over. Mm-hmm. And just me, I don't understand why Ryan Priest is in the Cup Series, honestly. I I have thought for a while, the, the guy has gone out and the DGR trucks, I, 
what, four or five starts, he has one win and top fives, and the rest of that team has been struggling. Um, but it's he's a great driver. I think if he has a good car, he'll he'll do well in the Cup Series. But I was talking to Linus about this before you came in, but Ryan Priest is one of the only drivers I know that can get wrecked going for the win and still come out as more hated. Yeah, that's uh, that was a pretty pretty weird situation. But I think uh, I think his his attitude to to what happened and then what he did fo- following this incident in in the practice and then in the cup race, I think might have uh, added to that because coming in as a former full time cup driver now a part time cup driver and then you know getting wrecked by someone trying to score a win and having that sort of attitude, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that might be rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I, and you know, you had two complete opposite interviews. Did Ryan Priest have a right to be mad? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but you know, it wasn't just the race interview he did right after but the just the interview on MRN calling out all the young drivers saying they don't show respect anymore. And, you know, he says he's coming for them. It's just, you painted yourself as a villain. If you didn't mean to do that, that's what you did. A villain and a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does he really have to show for it? Um, I, what two wins in uh Xfinity and one win in truck? That's I think that's really yeah. <laughs> about it. So that's yeah, that's why I think he. I don't know. I just don't agree that he he should be in the Cup Series at all. Right. Um. It's kind of like, uh, you know, he he just he became hated, and now uh, Carson. I I think his following just gained. Like I became a fan after that interview, you know, Mm. the guy has passion. He loves what he does. And it's just unfortunate. That's NASCAR. Like in terms of sports, I think NASCAR can break your heart quicker than anything else. You know, I, we saw a lot of it yesterday. A lot of guys are like, Hey, this could be my opportunity. Then they blow a tire. Absolutely. So uh, Ross Chastain ends up winning the truck race, which is, you know, it's good. It, Ross is just seems like a good guy. Everybody likes him. Uh, and then, of course, we got to see the watermelon smash in Charlotte, which I never thought I would be, like, excited to see somebody smash fruit at a NASCAR race. But <laughs> here we are. He, he yeah, wasn't going to win it, though, until that last caution. Right. Absolutely. He, I think even in the post-race interviews, he said, uh, this isn't my Carson, Carson won this race. I didn't. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anything else on the truck race? Mm, don't think so. Okay. It wasn't no, that much no. that happened actually until, until the end. Right. It's, uh, it's just quite interesting to see that not even Kyle Busch was you know close to winning for once in the truck series but uh just goes to show why Carson was so upset with with losing it the way it did yeah. I guess well we saw a lot of cars getting loose into that uh turn one turn or coming out of turn two this weekend 
I even and the Xfinity and the Copper Ace. Oh yeah, all three of them. Uh, so let's go to the Xfinity race. Josh Berry was the winner. Feel good win. Uh, but six cars on the lead lap. Uh, I. It's been a while since I've seen a Xfinity race that dominant because it was what three hundred laps or a three hundred miles. Yeah, three hundred miles, two hundred laps. Man, and he was able to just—that's insane to me. Is what a second, uh, seventeen-second uh, lead back to second place. I don't know. Junior Motorsports has been dominating Xfinity for years, and I feel like it's getting more. Um, I don't remember the statistic, but it was like the last like fifteen or something. Uh, stage wins has been all by junior motorsports wow that's uh that's amazing and they finished one two uh barry yeah. and outgeier and those two uh those two had a really good dog fight for the lead it's unfortunately again they both got loose in turn two and mm. outgeier hit the wall and had to relinquish the lead but overall you know it's just impressive that Two, three years ago, Josh Berry was considered a great short tag. I know he was only racing, what, three races a year? Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, now he's won, this year he's won Dover and Charlotte. And then um, next, or last year, he won Vegas and uh, Martinsville. Yeah. Do you guys think uh, that, I know we're a very long ways away, but Barry should be considered a, a final four contender, a championship four contender in Xfinity. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't see why we couldn't have four JRM cars in the final four, honestly. If Mayer could just get that first win, you know, he's gonna be on rails as well. And I think Charlotte was like the last track that JRM hadn't won at yet of the previously active tracks so yeah how they got that win as well 63 team wins that's yeah since what 2012 so, i think they they started yeah so it's what it's Almondinger and ty gibbs who are up front pretty much every race and then it's jrm mm-hmm. there's always at least one jrm car and now they finish one two again so if they can just get that little bit better for for coming to the coming to the playoffs you know there is yeah. nothing saying that they couldn't be having all four cars in the final four, and that would be, uh, <laughs> I think uh, that would be, uh, it wouldn't be good for the Xfinity series as a series, but mm-hmm. it would be a big wake up call for all the other big teams, uh, like Joe Gibbs Racing, to maybe put a bit more time back into the Xfinity series. Obviously, they're putting a lot of money and time into it, but uh, JRM being a full-time Xfinity Series team, you know, they can put all their folks there while JRM or, uh, sorry, Joe Gibbs Racing and those other teams basically have it as a second-hand thing, you know. So a that's, that's a massive advantage for, for Junior Motorsports at this point, I think, as well. Yeah, and Joe Gibbs has four cars in the Xfinity, doesn't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, three to four. They've got three full-times at least and then mm-hmm. one that goes on and off. Yeah. Uh, Jones... Uh, Ty Gibbs, I can't remember who the other one is, but then they have the 18 has been rotating out like John. Yeah, yeah they have like two cars that are always rotating. 
so yeah, I I th- I agree with you. Uh, all like Penske, uh, Stuart Haas, Gibbs, they all treat them as like feeder teams. Uh, Dale Jr. just went all in. I mean, Noah Gregson's mm-hmm. been with the team for three, four years now. Uh, all has been there for four or five years now. So like he's more focused on building him and his sister are more focused on building the dynasty than, you know, padding the cup. Yeah. And doesn't Elgar is more like Jason Keller, like Jeff green, like Xfinity. Like he doesn't, it feels like he doesn't want to move up. Like he, he Xfinity is where he belongs. He has a guaranteed good ride. He has the best equipment to offer and he keeps winning yeah. for them every year. So yeah, and he brings sponsorship. Right. Uh, I mean, I think they got the two weaker drivers in the last four or five years, you know, nothing against Sadler, but he didn't really produce much with them. And then also Michael Lynette I, now, you know, opened up those rides to yeah. a, a lot, lot better, younger talent. Yeah, I never really understood why Michael Annette was in there for so long because he had like what one win in all the years that he did. Yep. And like once when I looked up his stats and only saw that he had one win, I was like, wait, because I automatically thought that he had more wins, but I couldn't remember any. So I had to look it up and he had just one. But now that they disappeared, you know, they've opened up the seats for Mayer and Barry, uh, you know, Gregson still being there, but he's one of them at least is probably going to move up to cup next season. I would assume uh, I if mean, there is a seat, but you know, I, I for sure see Gregson going into the 16 car for college racing next year. Uh, especially he was in the top 15 uh, until he was wrecked out yesterday. And so far, a lot of his opportunities he's gotten, he's done decently well. And he's been, like, one of the slower drivers. So, like, they always, like, move from Xfinity to Cup. And he didn't get that. Like, he, he's been in Xfinity for years. And he he didn't just get moved up like other drivers do. Yeah. I I also think he probably just stayed there a little bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Comfortability. I think he's been in that car since 2019. So, all right. Uh, I I didn't see the contact on track, but something had, speaking of Gregson, uh, you know, uh, tempers flare between Jeb and Gregson. And then Jeb Burton got on Twitter and said that, no, Gregson's just a check. I outperform him every race. Uh, just, I, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Like Jeb, just leave Twitter alone. You need to walk away. Yeah, I Always didn't really... More. I didn't see that either, but, you know, for him to go on Twitter and say that he's outperforming the Gregson, I don't really see where he's finding that. Uh, sure, they were teammates, was it one or two years ago? And where he only had a part-time ride, I don't know if he outperformed Gregson in maybe six of those 11 races that he did, but, you know, Gregson's got two wins this season. He's second in the standings, and where's Burton, you know? He's nowhere to be seen near the top, so maybe maybe get consistent, get consistent top fives, top ten, get in the championship discussion before you start bashing someone who's up near the top and saying that you're outperforming them on a weekly basis when you're in, in equal equipment. You know, he's not he's not at that point in his career where he can do that yet, I don't feel like. 
right. so I didn't really un- understand that argument. Yeah, in all the Burtons. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I just it's ridiculous. Um, I understand temper flares. I understand that these guys do this for their life, I you know for their career, but leave it at track. Don't bring it on Twitter because chances are someone's going to drag you through the mud. Uh, just like I'm sure every podcast, including this one this week, is going to drag him through the mud. Door bumper clear is going to have something to say for sure. Um, but that brings us to the Coca-Cola 600 longest race of the year, uh, longest race in history. Uh, so first off, 18 cautions. Let's start there. Um, tire issues. We talked about this last week, Linus, but they, they are not going away. Yeah, it's, uh, the longer it goes, the more and more I start to think that it might be a good year, but I, I, don't, I just don't know because at some point the team's got to stop being aggressive. And you saw at some point, you know, 25 laps, whatever, into a run, someone could do a lot more and then have an issue. Uh, but we also saw quite a few wrecks yesterday that didn't have to do with tires. You know, they spun right. it off turn four twice, both uh, Larson and uh, Elliot. Neither of them had a, had a flat tire when it went around. So that was something completely different. Still probably got to do with the sidewall being so short. They didn't feel the car coming around until it was too late. But, you know, it was just so many different things that brought out cautions yesterday. Blaney, he drove it onto the apron when he couldn't see far enough ahead of him. Dylan got close together with Larson and Chastain when they were four wide. And But yeah, those tire issues, they're obviously still going, but it wasn't. It wasn't as much yesterday as uh, what you might think when you hear 18 cautions because there was a lot of other things to happen as well. Right. Um, I think I think a lot of it was, you know, Suarez took the air off of uh, Kyle Busch's uh, front end and Kyle Busch spun coming at it too. I think a lot of it is these, these drivers are still trying to drive these cars uh, like they were the you know last year's cars and i think they're they're not running out of talent they just they just don't know the limits yet because we keep going to these tracks for the first time yeah that's uh, that's a that's a good point as well actually yeah i mean even uh so for charlotte like that was the race was like way different than like the last even like 10 years and like everything was so close and the racing was so good and everybody was so close together. Like, I, I feel like that was, they expected it a little bit, but it was, I feel like it was a little bit different than what, what was actually, what, what actually happened. Yeah. And I, I saw somebody compare it to like, that was kind of a uh, good portions of that race was kind of like watching Talladega, I, especially with how the, they were bump drafting each other down the backstretch and just, you would see uh, cars just going full send because of the draft. And it, it was just, it was a very fun race to watch. We saw a lot of side-by-side battles. I think they're in the beginning of the race, Bubba Wallace and Kyle Busch were side-by-side for the lead for like four laps. Um, we, I mean, we rarely see that anywhere and yeah, 
overall, I, I think the Gen 7 was a success at Charlotte for sure. Absolutely. The racing was great. Like even in the first like couple stages. Yeah. Um, so couple guys had a rough night nobody had a rougher night than kyle larson uh goes from the back to the front uh, three times two pit road penalties um and they spin uh, just it, incredible i and i think um with this new car we see a lot of the talent shining through on the drivers and one thing I was kind of amazed with, you know, even listening to like Cliff Daniels and Kyle Larson, just deadpan the entire time. Like they didn't sound excited at all. Uh, it's just, I think last night spoke to how, how good of a driver Kyle Larson is. Yeah. And I the mean, fact he that he from like multiple things, yeah. like he spun out, he had the pit road penalty. He, had so many things that happened and then he was last few laps he was there yeah the fact that he's able to drive up back through the field that often and still be in the lead coming towards the end there during one on the green white checkers after you know two pit road penalties a spin having to start at the back it's just they don't ever give up and somehow he always finds a way through obviously this was the longest race of the year and ended up being the longest race ever but you know, Cliff Daniels is so good on top of the pit box and Larson is so good behind the wheel. They just don't give up. They just keep on grinding and grinding and they somehow they always get there. It's it's just amazing to see how they always manage to work it out. Yeah, and that, that pep talk that Cliff Daniels gave Larson, like, hey, you know, the first half of a race, we did this, but you're a great driver. We got a great car. Let's go do it. And that was that was really great that they allowed us to hear that and you know, definitely seemed like it had some effect on Kyle Larson. So, um, let's uh, a lot of hard hits, uh, eighteen cautions, but a lot of, lot of bad wrecks, uh, especially Chris Busher. That, oh my god, yeah, I can't even remember a wreck at Talladega. Looking at, I mean, Ryan Newman's <laughs> wreck at Daytona, yeah, but like. Just to see the car explode up like that, that was that was insane to watch. That was the first time we've seen, like, uh, for this new generation of car, that's the first time we've seen them, like, actually flip over. Yeah. Because, like, the whole year we haven't seen any of that. Even Daytona, Talladega, all that stuff, like, no one's flipped. That was the first time that we got to see at least on the fan side, like we got to see like what the car actually looks like and all that stuff. It took a, it took a pretty big tumble, but I don't think it like when the, when the wheel dug in underneath the car and it went up the first few spins it did in the air. So I don't think it actually bounced on the ground that much, but still it held up really well. And it's, uh, you know, everyone knows how safe these cars are, but anytime that happens just to see the driver walk out of the car, it, barely even shaking up. It's just amazing how, how they can just keep doing this over and over again and no one ever gets hurt apart from, you know, what happened at Daytona there. But that was because of something else, because if, you know, it didn't get hit. But still, they just keep building these safe race cars and how safe they really are. It's just, it's, it's great to see. All right. So, so we have to find out what he actually flipped on. 
like what what was the thing that, what was the because he spun through the grass they they but, have like, a, a a rain well, divot in there like a, a little suit runoff for the okay. the rain i think that's what he hit yeah the, the uh yeah. was it the right front tire i think it sucked in underneath the car i don't know if it hit a drain or something that pulled it in under but the one of the front wheels got you know sucked in under the car which just threw it up in the air somehow but i don't know if uh if the tire got stuck on something or or what it was but it the wheel just stopped and went in underneath the car and when the car hit the tire it just started flipping so mm-hmm. all right so I mean, the entire race was eventful, but the final 10 laps, we saw several lead changes. Uh, Chase Briscoe, it just seems like every time he sees the lead, he just goes full send. Uh, that's He wrecked the same way that he wrecked at Bristol just a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I the, the ending altogether, I mean, Hamlin came out of nowhere to win that race. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things you don't expect. I mean, Kyle Busch, he spun in stage two and he's one fighting. And two. He, and he, he's fighting for the lead at the end. It's just, uh, again, these Gen 7 cars make this race so much more exciting. Um, any thoughts on the finish, guys? Well, um, uh, <laughs> considering uh, who was first on four tires there, come towards the end on that. Was it the first green white checkered coming up the inside of Larson? Uh, probably Austin Dillon, that is. He probably should have backed off a little bit going into the corners to get a better runoff. Now he got a bit tight coming off because he had too much speed pushed up. And then Chastain put them three wide. And then Hamlin on the inside made them four wide. And it just got really close. And then I don't know if Chastain and Larson touched or why, but both Larson and Chastain came down a little bit. Austin came up. And he got wrecked out, so I was pretty bummed for that. But other than that, it was uh, it was actually a really good ending to a, a great race. Obviously, it would have been nice to see a finish without a green-white checker overall, uh, just to show that we can do that as well when we have a lot of cautions. But now we needed two, so uh, but it came down to a good finish. Yeah. So I'm uh, even though my pick finished second, I'm pretty happy about that because I don't like him whatsoever. <laughs> Um, so Denny Hamlin, 48 wins now. Uh, he's 16th on the overall all-time wins list. Uh, do you think, even without a championship, do you think Hamlin is a first ballot Hall of Famer? After, like, yeah, go on. Mark Martin. He, he's like a little bit under Mark Martin. I, I mean, he has three-day total... Daytona wins. I I think that counts for a lot. Um, and now he has a 600 win and two Southern 500s. Uh, I I don't know. I think I think he's not done winning. I I definitely see him pushing 50 plus wins before he hangs it up. Yeah, considering the fact that he's got three Daytona 500s, because could possibly get another one. He's won the Southern 500. He's now won the Coke 600. Uh, the Brickyard 400 is no longer around, so he can't win that. So he's pretty much won the three crown jewels. Uh, and now that he is a team owner as well, and he's won two races as a team owner with both cars winning in their first year, um, 
if he was on the edge of being a Hall of Famer before that, I think him being a team owner and a multiple time winning team owner uh, pushed him right over that line. So in my opinion, it was a Hall of Famer before he started 2311. Uh, but after having done that, I think definitely he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And yesterday's win just proved even more that he deserves it because he's been winning races since 2006. Uh, it was probably a year or two where he didn't win a race, but you know he's uh, he's been competitive for over 15 years in a Cup Series. 2018 was the only year he didn't get a win. So I yeah I um I think so. He's he's had a great career. Who knows? I uh, he's definitely showing that his team has the ability to hang in there towards the end, and he essentially got. He won Richmond because of Chris Gabehart. So we know he has a crew chief that's willing to do whatever it takes to win. So who knows? If he's in the final four, he might actually have a shot this year. But then again, uh, you know, I said that last year and the year before that. So this year might be his year because he, I don't know, he has two wins, but he's also outside of the top 15 in points still. Yeah. He's been more consistent, but I think I definitely think we're seeing him learn how to drive this new car in real time. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the veterans like him, Kevin Harvick. Yeah, Harvick um, like, finished the, third. Like, they're trying to figure out everything. I was I was screaming for Harvick to win. I I he had a legitimate shot there at the end, and that would have been fantastic. I wanted Kevin to win. <laughs> So next week we are going to two brand new tracks. Well, not brand new, but worldwide technology raceway is new to the cup series. Uh, and then the Xfinity series is going out to uh, Portland international raceway uh, for road course. It's a road course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who do you have your eyes on for next Sunday? To win the cup race. Josh Berry. Cup race? Oh, no, no. For Xfinity, Josh Berry. For the cup race, um, I don't know. I, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really hard considering it's a brand new track. Um, yeah. But for some reason, it feels like Ryan Blaney might finally get his first win. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that it could be a, a good place for him. But, you know, it's going to be... Either Toyota is going to be dominating or Chevy is going to be dominating. Um, but considering the limited amount of practice they have, you know, basically you're going to have to look at which track is similar to this one, throw a setup in there and just hope you get it right. It's not like the Indy 500 where you get eight practice sessions to, right. to figure out the car. You get like 20 minutes here. Yeah. So you got to be, you got to be aggressive right away. What was that? Brian Blaney has been such a disappointment the whole year. I, I yeah, he's had a very very bad run of luck, but um, yeah, I well with worldwide, like a lot of the truck races and Xfinity races, they're not essentially snooze fest, but they've been strategy races, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's just one of those tracks. It's kind of not flat, but it's kind of flat, flatter than most uh, mile and a half. It's. I don't know what to expect, but I have a feeling Kyle Larson will be up at the front. 
Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. He's uh, <laughs> he's fast everywhere it feels like, so he should. Pro- he's probably going to be one of the the guys that we could be uh, that we're guaranteed to see up front unless something happens. I think. Um. Any any other thoughts on the six hundred other than it being an overall good race, kind of a wreck fest, but that made everything way more interesting than it was the past ten years. I'm just... What about tires? It's um what at like um so like the flat tires like that's an issue because like if you just spin out and then you have to get the you you go two laps down. Yeah, yeah. I we we covered this last week but i i think a lot of it is you have a lot of a lot of teams pushing the limits and then another part is like i just don't think it's a good tire from goodyear uh mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure that the goodyear contract runs up at the end of the year so you know maybe maybe they're looking at firestorm maybe goodyear is trying to figure it out uh but we definitely will see tire issues next week i'm sure yeah yeah they're not getting stuck anymore either like they used to at the beginning of the season where everyone would just be stranded for four or five laps as soon as they blew a tire and they've kind of started to figure that out how to how to prevent that from happening if that's been racing the cars up or you know doing whatever they've done but they can somehow get to pit road now anyway and uh bubba wallace he spun out yesterday right in front of pit road just drove into his pit stall and yeah I barely even lost a lap, you know, so they're starting to figure that part out, I think, but they still need to figure out a way to stop blowing these tires. Absolutely. And I have a feeling that is going to be a issue that won't be resolved till next season. You know, <laughs> it's well, we're two, we're, we're almost halfway through the season this year and it's, it's kind of too late to start making changes to this gen seven body. So we can best they do, I think, is plan for next year and they'll come out with something different, hopefully. But uh, my my positive takeaway from this is thank God this isn't happening back in 1994, you know, Um, (laughs) because that tire war was deadly in 93, 94. uh, Speaking of Mark Martin, I've just watched interviews where he's like, thank God I made it through that. Yeah, I think uh, as fun as it would be to have a tire war between two different uh, manufacturers, I don't think that would be good for NASCAR in this uh, in this day and age with this new car. Um, I just hope Goodyear finds a way to resolve this, you know, and figure out a way to to work it, make it work. So, but then again, they can't make the tires last forever, you know. If they if they give the teams a PSI and tell them don't run this much camber and they do it, you know, obviously it's their fault. But after 25 laps, I don't think you should blow a tire unless there there is an issue with the Maybe tires. They do so. need some competition. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I am at the list of everything we have to talk about. We we covered a lot. Uh, well, a lot happened at Charlotte this week. Lot to look forward to next week. Uh, thank you guys for joining me today, talking about Charlotte. Um, and uh, you know, have a good rest of your week. And we will be back on Monday or Tuesday talking about what happened at Worldwide Technology. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. All right. See you then. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you very much. I have lost the no recording button, but there's. <laughs> <laughs>